My very first sponsor of the podcast was tfsjujitsu.com. If you enjoy high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu techniques with a Crunchwrap Supreme and a Baja Blasted drink, then tfsjujitsu.com is your place to go. With over 200 videos of gi and no-gi techniques, it features a bunch of different instructors, and it really focuses on the stuff that works. From guard passes to mount escapes to takedowns to submissions across the board, the website has been put together with a lot of thought in mind and an emphasis on technique. It's great, great content, a lot of awesome detail in some of the finer mechanics of jiu-jitsu. Great for a beginner or somebody who's a, a black belt level. Make sure you check them out. Website is tfsjiujitsu.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the CoreyCast. This episode I got to sit down and talk to Jason Yagen from Kiernan Real Estate. His grandfather started Kiernan back in the 50s and I thought it would be cool to have him on. We just got done doing a deal together and we were talking uh, about real estate and his stories about when he was younger, having to work in the brokerage and answer phones and all that cool stuff and I thought it would be kind of a cool idea to invite him on the podcast and just talk to him. When we did our transaction together just recently, uh, it was smooth top to bottom. He was down to earth, transparent, knowledgeable, uh, easy to get a hold of, and I thought it would be a good episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with my friend Jason Yegan. Jason, thank you very much for doing uh, an episode of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, no, it. No, we just got done doing a deal, and I loved working with you. I thought it was uh, it was a smooth deal top to bottom. It's always uh, refreshing when it's a smooth transaction. It doesn't always happen. Yeah, I know, right? It's it's kind of weird, especially in this market. Even uh, some deals get a little a little hairy, but, I mean, what is it? what are you going to do? Yeah, that's just part of the business, kind of the ebb and flow of it. That's what you got to go with. What's like the worst thing that's like, so say a final walkthrough, what's the worst thing you've walked into on a final walkthrough? Uh, about two feet of water in the basement. Whoa, the, what? Yeah, so the power had gone out. Uh, the owners had moved out a couple weeks prior, and the sump pump obviously didn't have a, a backup uh, battery oh. connected. Yeah, and we had gotten like three or four big storms in that couple of weeks, so uh, that was a fun finding uh, and a final walkthrough. <laughs> so did you have to hold off the closing for it? So honestly, it, we did the walkthrough two days before closing, luckily. Um, so they were able to get a contractor over, drain the water, um, get everything back on, functioning, and luckily there was no damage. Wow. Um, yep. The basement was totally cleaned out. The hot water Jeez. tank was up on, uh, oh, I don't know, like cinder block, something like that. So yeah. nothing touched. Um, but never a dull moment in real estate. Yeah, I know. So for, uh, listen, I don't, I don't want you to think I got like a hundred listeners here. I get 20 listeners and half of them's my mom just replaying <laughs> on different computers. Uh, but, uh, for those who don't know, uh, 
tell me what your background is, how you got into real estate. Sure. So my family owns Kernan Real Estate. Uh, my grandfather started it in 1958. That's my cool. mom, yep, she's uh, been a realtor for like 40 plus years now. Um, so it's the family business. I initially wasn't going into real estate, believe it or not. Um, I went to, to college down in Baltimore, stayed there for a few years, you know, did the corporate kind of cubicle job thing and uh, just decided it didn't make any sense. So I uh, jumped right in, you know, dove into the game. and uh, it's, It wasn't it's for been, you, right? That whole cubicle Monday through Friday thing? No, I just, you know, I did it for, man, for it was four, four and a half years. What, what did uh, you do when you were doing the whole office thing? So I was a financial analyst, okay. um, which completely different, you know, job responsibilities, interactions. Um, you know, I'm not uh, what I would characterize as a super outgoing guy. Right. So getting into real estate, that was definitely a, a shift in, you know, mindset and that type of thing. Yeah, no, it's interesting to say that because I was the same way. Like I was very, uh, uh, very introverted before this job. And then yeah, when I took this job, yeah, yeah. Like I would uh, avoid any social interactions the best I could. And now when I took this job, I said to myself, I was like, I need to kind of retrain myself for getting back and being more social, meet, talking to more people. Um you, I remember when we uh, we had lunch uh, like a week ago. You were talking about growing up. You like were answering the phones and like what was that like when you were younger working for Kiernan? Like what kind of things were you doing? Excuse me. So you know a lot of odds and ends kind of stuff. Um, you know, being a small family business. You know, my mom is the owner. Like you know, when uh, the sink is leaking, we get the phone call. We got to take care of it. That kind of thing. Yeah. So I was always tagging along for that kind of stuff. Um, as I got a little bit older, you know, she put me behind the front desk for like a summer job, you know, in high school, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, how um, cool. That's like a, that's a good way to learn the business. Like just, it, it was, it was, with cool. your mom. yep. And it, you know, honestly it was, I was kind of terrified answering the phone, you know, yeah. and that's a 15 year old kid talking to an literally. attorney. You're like, I don't, these people are scary. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's good. I've kind of grown in that mindset of just being thrown into the mix, and that's kind of the best way to learn. Sink or swim, right? That's it, yeah. That's 100% how real estate is. It's sink or swim. It's a, it's a weird job because you don't have uh, – there's no – like, you. Kinda, I guess you kind of have a boss, but not, not really. Well, it does – you don't have the safety net of, you know, someone cracking the whip necessarily every yeah. day making sure, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Some people like that, though. Some people – the workflow for them, they are in a. They like it better when somebody just tells them what needs to get done. Okay, I'll do my job. I'll do X, Y, Z. And I, th- I think there's some agents out there that would like kind of prefer that too, even though they're in a independent contractor kind of deal. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know some agents that kind of gravitate towards a team may be more of a, excuse me of a better fit for that. You know, needing that closer management, somebody, you know, that's kind of the driving force more so. Right. Um, but then you've also got the other end of the spectrum where some agents, they don't want to talk to the manager. They don't ever <laughs> want to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't have to go to the office. That's a win for me kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, right. Everybody has the uh, the agents in their office that you never see in a meeting. And then one time at a, like a company picnic, you're like, I've never, who is that? I've never seen this guy before. Yeah, there, there's some of those at every company. Mm-hmm. When um, 
when you guys had started, Kiernan, like your grandfather started it? You said it was in the 50s? Oh, uh, yeah, 1958. What a, um, what a different time for real estate. So, and it was interesting. So he was actually working at the General Motors factory right here in Syracuse at the time. Um, so this was like, uh, you know, kind of the second income. Plan. So uh, real estate was the second income. That's cool. It, it was, yeah. Um, they started it actually, they lived right in Galeville. So really less than a mile from where our office is now. Yeah. You guys are right by, um, you're on old Liverpool road, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. Nice. Right next to uh Ichiban Japanese restaurant. Yeah. Do you guys have multiple locations or just the one office? That is the one location. That's the only location. And that's never going to change. Really? Have you guys had that building for a long time? Uh, so we've been there. Oh, man, I want to say it was early 90s, roughly, is when uh, oh. my grandfather purchased that, yeah. Wow, really? That's cool. Where was he before when he had purchased that building? So, actually, it was still out of their house. They had a oh, huge addition. So awesome. Yep, uh, off the side of their house, right in Galeville. So, it was basically your standard 900-square-foot ranch that my mom grew up in. You know, there were right. three siblings, and uh, they had this huge addition off the back with a big parking lot. Wow. And, uh, man, 30, 30 plus years, that's where it was. Wow. That's crazy. That's great. When you were, uh, when you were younger and you were working, doing like odd jobs for your mom, were you in that building? The, the nineties building, the one that's you have right now? Yes. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Man, that's gotta be so cool. Like especially to like working with my mom would be a lot of fun. Like that's gotta be cool. And especially somebody who's as like seasoned and as, grizzled as her like it's it's really cool that you can you're like under the wing of the best of the best you know what i mean well and i'll be the first to admit i have the best advantage in that you know i did learn from the best of the best you know she she sold you know as an agent for 20 plus years she's been in a management role for about the same amount of time now Mm -hmm. um so kind of gotten the best out of both worlds that you know she's personally worked herself in right and what a like back before the internet, real estate was a whole nother thing. Like the internet completely changed real estate, how it worked, how it functioned. Before the MLS was in a, a paper book, like a yeah. like a phone book, right? Yeah. So the the company that made the phone book, the Yellow Pages book, they actually did the MLS book as well. Oh, so probably the same like crappy paper too, like the really it thin frail. Exact thing. Wow. We actually have a couple copies at the office just sitting in the storage space. Just, Do you really? Um, I think one's early 90s. One is kind of late 90s when it was start starting to kind of, excuse me, teeter off from that to the, uh, you know, the MLS online, actually. Wow, that's that had to be like a – I would have loved to be an agent at, the, at that time when the internet was taking off because I – correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there would be a lot of – a lot of traction, a lot of friction from other agents trying, like moving them, like moving from the book to the internet. Like it's such a new thing. I would see a lot of agents being, being abrasive on that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of true for any industry change is always a friction point and maybe more so for ours, just because, you know, a lot of agents have that independent mindset. They're kind of doing things their own way. And when this whole, you know, third party comes in that, you're not controlling the internet. You better get on board. Right. That uh, you know that I'm sure there are some agents that that may have kind of ended the career kind of thing too. Yeah. They just it at that point. Well, I mean, like case in point, COVID threw a whole wrench in the the real mm-hmm. estate thing too. And there's some agents that are like a little uh, 
a little hesitant to do like video walkthroughs and stuff, but I think the agents that kind of just like, you know, go with the flow and just adjust with things. I think those are the ones that are going to be the the long term agents in the game. Yeah, I mean, when you know all this hit, and we, you know, in my office we do a once a month kind of general meeting, just touching base on certain things. And when COVID hit, obviously we weren't going to the office, so we started doing a Zoom meeting for you know everybody to jump on, just to connect, touch base. And that's kind of some stuff that we talked about in those first few meetings was, you know, you got to be comfortable with what you're doing, but also know that if you don't show that house, they may go somewhere else. Right. So kind of that delicate balance that, you know, you have to work through. Yeah, right. And, and things are going to things are going to drastically change. Like, I, I'm curious to see how video walkthroughs take off. Like, I'd be very interested to see if that kind of format becomes more popular because those have always been around especially like on the west coast real estate sure have you um worked with any out of area clients like moving into town that haven't been here yet that you've had to show houses for that kind of thing no i've only uh, i worked with a seller that moved to uh like victor rochester but not like west coast to this coast why did you yeah, so I've got a couple of uh, investors from New York City. They buy rental property here. Yeah. Um, and this is probably going back like three years now. We've been doing kind of video walkthroughs right from the get-go because they weren't here. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's a little different. It's not the house they're going to be living in. Yeah, right. But, uh, you know, same idea. Some people have already been comfortable with that. Um, but it's it's definitely uh, an interesting uh, shift. Yeah, especially as agents, we got to really like – be a jack of all trades and know all this different kind of technology and different like when i close on a house there's like four websites i need to check to make sure it reflects you know what i mean like you gotta be you gotta wear so many different hats in this job well and that's you know multitasking that's key having your systems in place so that you know you don't forget that fourth website to double check on that kind of thing (laughs) do you have like systems in place for uh, like if you're working with a buyer or seller for first time, like, do you have like a whole checklist that you go through? Uh, yes and no. Honestly, I'm probably not as organized as I should be. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that's probably one of my faults there. Um, but you know, within reason, I do go through the same process with every, you know, new seller, new buyer. Um, but that's probably something that I should put on my, you know, my working on list to get that a little more formalized. Oh God. Like a, like a step-by-step kind of thing. Kind of, yeah, to a certain extent. Gotcha. Yeah, like, what do you what do you think, going back to the whole COVID thing, that threw a whole wrench in the real estate market, what do you think is going to be the next shift in the next, like, 10 years? Like, is there anything foreseeable? You know, that's, real estate's a funny thing. I mean, you know, when people think it's going to crash during COVID, pretty yeah. much we're consistent, if yeah. not we're very strong. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I don't even make those judgment calls anymore. Yeah. It's just, you gotta, you gotta work with what you got today. Right. Um, you know, and that's, you know, it's real estate. It's good right now. So take advantage of it while it's good. Right. Um, you know, in real estate, it's also a cyclical industry. It has, it's like the roller coaster. It goes up, it goes down. That's yep. historically just what it's been. Right. Um, so I think as long as, you know, you kind of prepare for that within reason and you just you're kind of along on the roller coaster ride yeah right that's that's a good way to put it very much as a as a roller that's like one thing i've been trying to get um, more comfortable with is the fact that there is ups and downs there's like times where you're like so busy you want to pull your hair out and then there's other times like 
I feel like Christmas last year I had like one or two clients that I was like working, but I have I felt like I was twiddling my thumbs. Yeah, and that's a tough thing, and you know, only so much of that is within our control too. You know, the, the clients are going to do what they're going to do. Um, so you know, that's sorry. I hope you don't hear my dog in the background. No, dude, I love dogs. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, it's a black lab pit mix. That's what I got. I got galaxies the same way. That's probably why he's going crazy now. Just one? Pardon? Just one? Yes, just the one. Yep. Oh, nice. You guys haven't gone to the dark side where you start collecting a bunch of dogs all over the house. You know, we've, <laughs> we've always talked about getting a second one, yep. but the, the hiccup is going on vacation. It's so much harder to ask somebody to watch two dogs yeah. than one. Yeah, right. And I, I feel bad about that, so probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> That's funny. What about uh, you guys? Do you have pets? Yeah, we have two. We uh, we it's a pit pit uh, lab mix, and then the other one's a Nikiri. Uh, She's a Chesapeake uh, retriever mix. So it's two of them. Yeah. I got Galaxy from my other relationship. Brittany got Nikiri from another relationship, and then when we got together. We had the two dogs together. But she's Bernie's always like, I think we're gonna have, we should get another dog. Like, we're like two animals away from him on a farm. Like, hey, I got a tortoise. Uh... Like, I got a tortoise dude that's like ten years old. Really? Yeah, I've had him forever. I actually, um, uh, Donna Jordan, the agent in my office, she, uh, her kids, when I worked at PetSmart with her, her kids got the tortoise, and then her kids had a lost interest in it and asked if I wanted it, and I was like, yeah, sure. Little did I know, like. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to will this tortoise out to my grandkids. I think. <laughs> well, they live for forever, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, I don't had him for like three years before me, and I've had him now for like ten plus years. So he's at least like fifteen years old. But well, he's like, it, he's no bigger than the size of your palm of your hand. Well, you might have a thirty or forty year tortoise there, so yeah, watch seriously. out. Or seventy, like I might, like I might have to pass him down to Ashen when I pass away. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds. Oh, that's great. So uh when uh like you're working with uh buyers or sellers, do you which do you prefer to work with? You know, I mean right now, uh sellers right. is where that's the obvious right. answer, right? Yeah. Um but I think, you know, regardless of the type of market that it is, you want to have a fair balance of both. That way you're not, you know, relying too heavily on one side of the market at any given time. Um, kind of like your, you know, retirement portfolio, you want to diversify. I think your client pool should be similar to that exact. I, uh, until this conversation, I've never thought about my retirement portfolio. (laughs) I have an IRA, but I don't have a, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to diversify my retirement portfolio. And I've never thought of that until now. Uh, It's just fancy words. I'm not far behind you. No, no, dude, that's like. Like I need, uh, I need to get my hands, my hands wet in some rental properties, like you do. Yeah, it seems yeah, like it, a, a nice passive kind of income. And you know, I mean, there's definitely work involved. I do get those phone calls that you don't want to deal with, but uh, you know, it, it just makes sense. I yeah. think you know, being in the industry, you know, I sell rental properties to a lot of clients. Yeah. Um, I think it's a different relationship and experience for that client too, because you know, I'm personally involved in that type. Yeah, right, right. Um, so how you were saying, like, you got to make sure it's your clients are, like, diversified on either side with buyer and seller. How do you get that balance? Like, do you shift your marketing dollars into to prospecting more sellers than, than buyers? Like, how what does that look like for you? 
Uh, honestly, I, I don't personally spend a lot of money on marketing in general. That's also probably an area that I should put a little more uh, money into. Um, honestly, I've just been working a referral business pretty hard for the past couple of years. Nice. Um, you know, and that's kind of a fair balance as far as trying to get sellers and buyers. Um, just kind of working my referral network to the effect of, you know, I've got some listing appointments this week, but no showings. Maybe I should ask about buyers mm. um, and kind of focus that the conversation on. You know? Do you do it by like a week by week basis or do you do it like over the course of a month or something? Um, typically I do it by a week by week, just, um, you know, how many appointments I want to have for buyers and sellers just to have some sort of a goal to work off of. Right. Um, and you know, as real estate's all over the place, some days I'm going to have 10 things going on yep. and you know, others it's uh, just like I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing. Yeah. hundred percent. Is that, that sheet that you sent me where it had, uh, um, I have it just in the other room. It had like 10 contacts, 10, 10 appointments that you want to make a day. Um, who, what was that guy's name? Uh, David Knox. David Knox. Is that a weekly checklist or do you do that daily? Daily seems like that would be crazy to cram in that amount of contacts. Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, weekly is more realistic. Daily, I mean, if you're really grinding and that's, you know, that's the goal this week is to generate leads, then maybe that's something that I would do. Um, but depending on the week, it's going to, you know, dictate how far and I go with that. Yeah. Now, who? You, what was that guy's name? You said Daryl? Uh, David Knox. So, <laughs> I wasn't uh, even close. I said Daryl. What the hell? David Knox. Real estate training by David Knox. He's, uh, he's a national guy. Um, Sandy's been using his training services probably 10 plus years. Who's Sandy? Uh, Sandy Kernan, the broker. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Okay. Uh, um, it, it's interesting because there's like a lot of those people around, right? There's like Jared James. There's him. There's... Uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Brian Buffini. Yes. Is that guy? What uh, what makes him stand out between the group of them for Sandy? Um, I think David Knox is kind of more old school in a sense, kind of back to the basics more so. Um, I guess you could kind of say that for any of those guys listed. I mean, they do basically do the same things. Um. David Knox is a little more, I would call it, maybe down to earth. Right. Whereas kind of some of the other ones are a little more like rah-rah, that kind of scene where, um, you know, it's kind of not not so much the culture, I would say, that we, we have at Kernan. Yeah. Um, a little more relaxed, not quite, um, you know, some of the other companies are a little more about that type of thing. Yeah, there's some, from, from what I've heard, that some companies put a lot of pressure on agents to produce X amount of dollars every month. Like, Kiernan isn't like that at all? No. So, I mean, really, it's different in the sense that, you know, when you make money, Sandy makes money. Um, it's it's just a different kind of, excuse me, I guess, um, compensation model for her, whereas your bigger brokerages, you know, you're getting paid on recruiting and different kind of metrics that mm. aren't so much the company bottom line. Um, and I think that, Sandy makes it more that kind of family environment, so it's it's not so cutthroat in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that you know, it just makes it more relaxed. It's uh, you don't feel like you've got to go into the office and you know feel like you're competing against every agent there. It's more of kind of like we help each other, team environment. Yeah, when I first got into real estate, I thought that was very much going to be 
the environment at brokerages where it's like super competitive, everybody mm-hmm. like craps on each other, but that's not the case at all. At least yeah, I, I should no, say, no. I can speak from my office, I should say. Sure. And um, it seems like Kieran's the same way too. I think it's kind of a similar point of view. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you uh, do you guys do like, or if you have a new agent that you take on board, do you guys do like a mentorship program where you're kind of under the wing, wing of somebody? Yes. Yeah, so we do, Sandy does one-on-one training with any new agent. Um, so that's a couple week process when they're first getting started. Then uh, we basically, it's a mentorship program after that. So we pair you up with an experienced agent and you, you know, over your first couple of deals with a seller as well as buyers, you're kind of, you know, tagging along with that other agent just to make sure, you know, you, you learn the ropes that way. Yeah. Um, and that we've had a lot of good success with that and, you know, kind of grooming agents to really take off in their career that way. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the way to go, especially when you're just starting off new is the finding uh, brokers that does that mentorship program because they don't all do that. And if they don't, it seems like being on a team might be more beneficial than anything. So honestly, we've never been a huge team environment at Kernan. And you don't have like something... any teams there? So not in the traditional sense. Um, honestly, that's something I can I'm hear personally... you. I want to... Hold on one sec. Keep going. Okay. Um, so I'm going to you know, personally try and change that going forward because I think team environments are really beneficial for a certain group of agents. And, you know, Sandy, I would call it, it was a little more old school in that sense. So that wasn't really a thing back in the day. Um, It's kind of, teams are kind of a new idea, right? In the last, like, what, like 15 years, I think? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Um, And I think, you know, as a new agent getting started, being on a team has a ton of benefits. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, the biggest struggles for new agents are where a team can really help them excel. Right. Right, especially if you're with a team, you're kind of under the wing. You can offer to do the showings. You could do, you know, the open houses for them. Like you could really kind of step up and and build your your client base. Exactly, and I think you know lead generation. That's one of the toughest things when you're first getting started. Right. And you know, a team environment can alleviate that. That's probably the number one benefit of a team is the lead generation that it offers. Yeah. You said you're trying to change the the team idea at Kiernan. Are you like building a team right now or are you encouraging other people? Like, what does that look like for you? Sure. So the big push um, biggest starting the beginning of this year was recruiting new agents. Yeah. That's uh, one of my goals is to just expand the size of the brokerage. Yeah. Um, you know, we have the facilities and things to grow. So I want to take advantage of that. And part of that is trying to put a couple teams together. And what we've kind of started doing is, and I call it, you know, I call it a team, but it's really not a traditional team in the sense that what you would think of. Um, but we uh, we partner with Zillow to, you know, work with lead generation there. And we have a group of agents at the office. We call it the Zillow team, mm. where um, there's, you know, basically a round robin where leads go through. Um, and that's, you know, it's, again, a team in the sense that we provide some leads with it. Right. Um, but it's not so formal in the sense, um, you know, we do like a once a week kind of get together for, uh, as far as a meeting, 
but uh, nothing like I'm not cracking the whip. You know, did you follow up with this lead? That kind of thing. I don't do that. Oh, right, right. Now, for those who don't know, could you explain like what does it mean to get like to be a Zillow Premier agent? Like, what? How does that function? How does that work? Sure. So on every listing on Zillow, you'll see the listing agents details and then a couple of buyer agents as well. And depending on the zip code of the house you're looking at, um, if you inquire for more information, we may be one of the people that you get in touch with. Um, depending on how you reach out, it may be a live call over the phone where you're inquiring about a house and one of our agents at Kernan will pick up the phone and you know schedule the showing and start working you know with you as a buyer agent. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It kind of, it's nice for other people who may not be like totally in the real estate game to kind of understand how that works. It seems like, uh, Delvey seems like a very steady source of, of leads, especially because Zillow is very much dominating the real estate market. If you ask anybody on the street, Hey, how do you look at houses? I guarantee you 90% of them say Zillow.com. And, and that's kind of, you know, the double-edged sword with Zillow. Um, you know, I'm not personally the biggest fan, but they do offer some benefits that you just can't get at other companies. So that's kind of the, you know, it's the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, and, but that's where, you know, real estate is. Just to your point, when you talk to somebody, everybody starts on Zillow. Right. So, you know, if that's where people in the public are, you know, as real estate professionals, you know, we've got to be there. Right, right. Especially showing up, it's uh, we when we had lunch, I, I was talking about how it's funny that there's some agents that are very uh, like resistant to the whole Zillow. They're very spiteful yeah. of Zillow, um, and it's kind of funny because it's the whole idea of real estate agents not really having like a right way to do business in the sense that there's agents that are very successful that if you go to their Zillow page, it looks like they do absolutely nothing. But yes. you go to somebody's like a uh, premier agent, you go to their Zillow page, it's totally filled out. They have everything. But it's funny because those agents are like usually the old school ones, usually the uh, older mindset, I guess I should say. Older sounds terrible, but I guess old school mentality. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it really it has nothing to do with age, just the old school mindset. I, I know some young agents that hate Zillow, won't put any of their sales up there, reviews, it looks like they don't exist. Right. And, you know, as a consumer, that's kind of your research database. You know, you Google someone's name and put real estate next to it, their Zillow profile is going to pop up. And, you know, if you're going on a listing appointment or you're meeting a new buyer client, they're probably doing their due diligence and researching you. Yeah. We live in an age where there's so much information at your fingertips. Like I'll I'll never forget the time where I started working uh, with these uh, two guys. I met an open house. Uh, I sent them a couple listings after the open house. They reached out to me. They're like, Hey, we want to set up a showing. We'll go take, take a look at this house. So I meet him at the house. And it was when I was still pretty green. I think I was like maybe eight months into real estate or definitely less than a year. And I yeah. told him, I was like, hey, I'm just going to be up front with you guys. You know, I'm still new to this. I'm learning everything. So if you have questions, I might have to like, hey, hold on. Let me call my let me call my mentor, Donna, and get an answer for you. And his response still sticks to me to this day where he said, oh, we already we already Facebook stalked you. Instagram, we looked you up on Instagram. We saw your Twitter. Uh, we actually just saw you posted a week ago that you wrote your first contract that got accepted. So congratulations on that. And I was just like <laughs> awestruck that I was like, Holy shit, it's true. Yeah, people people definitely stalk you a little bit. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, now I feel like it's almost human nature because yeah. information is so readily available. Right. And, you know, and again, if you're you're not out there, people can't find you. People don't trust you. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is a relationship business. So, you know, it's tough for those agents that, you know, do a lot of business. How much more business could they do if they at the very least bought into having a presence on Zillow? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. At least just updating Zillow with your sales to reflect that that you're pumping out. Because other than that, there's no way to check an agent on how much how much volume they pumped out, right? Uh, I don't Realtor. think Realtor.com so. maybe, right? I don't think I, that's auto updated though. It, it is, yeah. Is it? So that's auto updated. But I, honestly, I think a lot of agents have the same view there too, because leads are purchased in the same way on realtor.com as they are on Zillow. So it's kind of the same mentality for a lot of agents in that respect. Yeah. It's just, it's such a crazy business. It was like when I got into it, I wasn't expecting when I say crazy, it makes it sound like it's like a negative business, but it's just, it's a very, like I come from a world of retail where, I told you before where it's like the customers come to me, right? So it's like you are coming to my store. I'm there to make sure you have a great experience. And then, hey, see you later. I'll see you in a month. You know what I mean? But right. here it's like, all right, what do I, what am I doing today that is kind of building my business for 60 days from now? You know what I mean? Well, and that's one of the key things. You got to have your kind of business built out into certain buckets, you know, clients that are going to do something in one to three months and then the ones that are a little further out that three to six month mark um and then the guy last week you met that just signed a lease but you know about 10 months from now before that lease is up he's going to be ready to buy right so you kind of have to have a certain you know percentage of your your lead generation in each bucket so you know everything kind of flows through the year i like the term bucket like having like i imagine fish in a barrel and all, all these different barrels, like, here's your one month, here's your six month, here's your year, here's two years down the road, you know what I mean? Well, and the way, it's a good way to bring it up, and the analogy I've heard in the past is, it's kind of like a bucket of sand, and there's a hole that you pop in the bottom of it. You always want a consistent flow of leads coming out of your bucket, mm. and eventually, that sand's going to run out, so you've got to always keep it refilled. So as you're working with clients, you've got to go back and make sure that you refill that client pool. Right, right. By like asking for referrals. Hey, do you know anybody who's looking to buy right now? Hey, you like my bit? Hey, refer me to somebody or or what have you. What? Uh, so if you're like Zillow's a good way to prospect, right? Because those leads come to you. How? What are other examples of ways to prospect as an agent? Uh, you know, coronavirus put a little bit of a damper on this, but open houses. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I'm a huge fan of open houses. I think it's a great way to generate leads, whether you're a brand new agent or have 15 years of experience. I think it's something that everybody should do. Yeah. Um, you know, sphere of influence, prospecting, calling your family and friends. I think that should be a consistent piece for your prospecting. Um, you know, and then even something as simple as, you know, social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. Um, I know me personally, not a huge, you know, tech guy in that sense. I've got Facebook going, but beyond that, I'm pretty limited. <laughs> um, but you know, You're that's a Facebook it. guy. You don't do Instagram or I, I definitely have accounts that I have no idea what the password is. Couldn't tell you the last time I logged in. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, and you know what's funny is everybody, you talk to different people and they have different preferred social media apps, right? Like I'm very much, I'm a big, I love Instagram because I love that it's just like one image or I guess a minute video or if it's IGTV, it could be longer, but I like that it's just like, it's very simple, it's very quick, and then you have Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn, and each of them have their own, like, category of clients, right? Like, it's Facebook is, like, the family and old friends. Instagram is, like, I guess people kind of in our age group. I Sure, I would agree with that, yeah. Twitter is probably the same, same age group, and then you get, like, like, TikTok is, like, the young kids, and LinkedIn is, like, the very professional businessmen that you would meet, you know what I mean? Or businesswomen that yeah. you would meet. It's interesting how those different apps attract different groups of people. Well, and I think, um, you know, obviously I've got a LinkedIn profile, but I think that's a, a source of lead generation that probably should be exploited more so than it currently is. Oh, yeah. For sure. I have a LinkedIn, but I tell you, I'm like, I update it and maybe once a month. Like, I don't really have much of a presence on that. So uh, one of the great, so I was just going to answer that question. (laughs) Yes. Let's hear it. So uh, one of the things that we have at Kernan is we partner with a company that creates, they are auto postings, but they, there's good content um, for Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. uh, I think Instagram is on there now. Um, And that's kind of an easy way for especially somebody like me who doesn't touch those other platforms just to have some sort of a presence. Yeah, right. And what Uh, does it do? Does it just give you like links to to post about? So basically it's a set it and forget it. So you hook up your login information and you basically get a list of categories for – different things that will be shared, um, you know, an article about, you know, different styles of houses, different types of mortgages, um, things to that effect. And it'll automatically post it. You can do once a day, every three days, once mm-hmm. a week, um, just to, again, have something where it's more so that set it and forget it. So it's not so hands on. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and people, I think there's some people out there that can kind of like, like Howard Hanna does one where every week we get an email, a bunch of great links of different articles mm-hmm. we can share and stuff like that. And yep. I think because we're in a business of relationship building, people like to see into your real life rather than just like, Hey, check out this article. Hey, look at what I look, what I have got. Like people want to know, cause they're going to, when they work with you, they're going to be working with you for at least 60 days, right? That's best case scenario. If they find a house immediately, get an offer accepted first day, done deal. And that, that rarely happens. Right. So it's almost like you're getting in a, like you're going to become a boyfriend and girlfriend with them. Right. Cause you're going to be contacting them constantly. It's like, they want to make sure you guys kind of click almost. It sounds weird when you say it that way. No, but it's a great way to describe it because honestly, that's pretty much what it is. Right. You know, when we work with clients, whether it's a buyer or a seller, we know so much what people will tell you about their personal life when you work with them is astonishing. Yeah, 100%. So it's, you pretty much know everything about these people, you know, down to their financial situation and their personal relationship. Yeah. Um, so, I love, like, I love that. Like, I love being able to be the source of comfort for somebody, I guess you can say. Because, like, retail, it was very, uh, when I talked to my manager, I used this term where it was like, retail i didn't 
I didn't fill my cup or anybody else's cup. It was just like, hey, you want to buy a lawnmower? Here you go. Thanks. Have a great day. Now it's like, holy shit, I'm helping, you know, somebody. Like, the deal we did together, that was her first house ever that she purchased. Like, that is a big deal. Like, I love... It's like it it makes me feel great and it makes them feel great. So I'm I'm feeling both of our cups in the process. Well, and it's you know it's two things too. It's not only a huge you know life milestone in that first house, but the financial investment too. I mean, there's so many different things that they kind yeah. of put in our lap to the point of they really trust us in our opinion and you know what advice we have to offer them. Um, it makes you feel good at the end of the day that somebody trusts you to that extent with that type of purchase in their life. Right. Especially, I mean, let's be real. It's all, it's the biggest purchase of their life. Right. I mean, it gets said a lot, but it really, it really holds true where it's, you know, that's the house uh, that we did together. Like that's the biggest purchase she's made in her life. I mean, other than a car, you know, which is like 25,000, but that, you know, that's a, that's a big deal for somebody. And I'm, oh, just, I'm like, it's, it's so nice. And I'm so thankful to be like a part of this business is even though it's not, it's not consistent. Like that paycheck for me isn't consistent, but the fact that I get to build these relationships with people and kind of, and kind of matter, like makes it worth it for me. Well, and that, and like, you know, how long have you been in the business now? Uh, two and a half years now. So that, that starts to build. I, I'm just kind of thinking back. So I'm about five, five and a half years in now. Oh, that's cool. And I think right around, it was about that three-year mark is when things kind of started to take off. Um, and that's I think right here is like the three-year mark is like when you start, that's when your business really like kind of skyrockets almost. Yeah. So, and I think it's, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of just at the edge of that. So I, I know exactly where, where you're coming from, um, where, you know, you, you sold so many clients and it's just kind of like exponentially grows your referral base and where potential, you know, leads can come from that, you know, once you do have that couple years in and that's, like I said, that's when it starts to take off and definitely gets more consistent because of that too. Yeah. And that's, it's like, it's a, it's a weird business to get into because I've had to do it like very, I've had to wean myself off my, my retail job. Like I was assistant manager and then I was, in retail and I was doing, or I was in uh, assistant manager. I was doing real estate, man, I was working full time and really I'd have two days and nights really to kind of work real estate. And then I got married to Brittany and then, then it changed. Then I stepped down, went down to a couple days a week and then slowly to the point now where I don't have any retail, just fully focused on real estate. And some people don't have that luxury. You know what I mean? Like I have the, I'm very fortunate that I have Brittany, to help me in all regards. So some people just don't have that ability to, to get into this business. Oh, sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, even over the past five years and my mom, you know, Sandy, she's seen this over her career too. A lot of people like you kind of that transition from, you know, the full time, you know, 40 hour week and kind of trickling that down to get into real estate to take its place. It's it's not easy. Definitely. It's, it's a challenge to work through. Yeah, it definitely takes a little bit. And I think there's there's like some brokers out there that are like you shouldn't you should just focus on on real estate. Like you shouldn't have another another avenue, but I don't think that's grounded in realism. It's it's one of those things where if that's the point of view you take, you are either going to hit a home run or you're going to sink. Yeah. 
Right. And I, you know, you could make an argument that you, you better find out quick if you're going to win or if you're going to fail. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, but that's certainly a risky way to do it. You know, it's nice to be able to still pay the bills while you're working your way up. Right. And I remember when I first got in uh, to real estate, I did a deal with Martin Carpenter and I uh, had lunch with him a while ago. And we were talking about how, like, when he, he was in, uh, a grocery store. He was a grocery store manager. And then he said when he finally left, he didn't have that safety net anymore. So he like, it put him in a mindset where it was like, all right, we're going to sink or swim. And I need to hustle my ass off to make this work. And that's kind of yep. like where I'm at now where it's like, all right, that running safety net is, is no longer. So how, how am I going to make this work? What do we got to do? What am I doing today? Well, and that's the thing. You've got no choice to but to succeed, right? Yeah, that's what right. you want to do. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's the grind, yeah. but it does pay off. You know, you do the basic things that a lot of people don't do, uh, you know, focus on building those relationships, and that that's the long-term play in real estate. Yeah, right. What, uh, what, what do you think agents could do better going forward from an agent to agent? relationship perspective and then we'll talk agent to client so it's interesting especially the type of market we're working in right now where it's very you know cutthroat in a sense um things are so few and far between that's it not enough houses for sale and there's a ton of buyers out there um i think communication is key you know not taking two days to get back to somebody um, and realizing that, especially in Syracuse, it's a small town. We're going to have to work together in the future if this is the business you're going to be in. And you don't want to burn that bridge with anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I was reading an article, something about Warren Buffett, and it was something along the lines of, you know, bite your tongue. You can always, you know, do something about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, just understanding that don't burn that bridge in the moment when, you know, tensions are high, yeah. uh, especially in our business where, you know, because there's no listings, every buyer you work with, you're not going to get a commission on every offer you write. Right. So that, that definitely raises tensions, I think, among the agent population because only one agent gets paid on that multiple offer deal. And when we say multiple offers, we're also saying, like, in North Syracuse, there was a house that had 24 offers. 24, dude. That means there's 24 other agents. Well, I could, I guess there could be an agent writing two for different clients. But we're just sure. going to – 24 total people writing offers on one house. That is insane, dude. It's, it's like a market that Syracuse has never seen. Um, you know, I have a friend that I went to college with who lives out in Colorado. That's what they've been dealing with for years. Really? Uh, oh, Colorado yeah. has been like that forever? Yep, 30, Jeez. 40 offers on every house. Jesus. But, uh, you know, Syracuse, we're not used to that. That's just developed over the past couple of years. Yeah. So, and I think where, you know, some agents have gotten, I don't know if this is the right term, but soft to a certain extent, mm-hmm. got too comfortable. Right. You know, now we've really got to compete to get that paycheck now. Yeah. Um, but that's also why you want to be the listing agent because you get paid every time. Yeah, yeah, right, right, totally. It's such a weird 
idea at the fact that there's like it's 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 competitive right because of the sense that there's only so many houses that can be listed there's only so many houses that can be sold so it's a weird kind of like environment or atmosphere i don't know what do you want to call it but the fact that like it's always competitive there's always i'm always competing against I'm always competing against you. I'm always competing against Don. I'm always competing against 20 other agents on one house. And it's, yep. it's like, how, how do you best stand out from, from those people? Right. And it's, you know, one of the things is I, I keep saying it, building relationships, especially with your colleagues and other agents, Right. you know, sometimes I think, and I think it's happened to me and my clients our offer got accepted because I knew the listing agent really well. We had done business before. I knew how they worked. You knew it was yeah. going to be a smooth transaction, just the way they operated. Right. And if I hadn't built that uh, relationship, my client might have not gotten that house. Right. So you know you got to keep that kind of stuff in mind because that's the market we're dealing with. Yeah, which is so so wild because like when Brittany and I bought a house. We closed on this house in 2018 in October. Like, it was kind of competitive, but not to the point. Like, there was a couple of situations where, you know, we lost out on a house because there was, you know, three offers on the house. You know, three sure. that we're talking at most. Like, we got very fortunate where we got in same day on the that it was listed. We wrote an offer and it got accepted and we didn't have any competition. But now, man, like, when I'm coaching a, a buyer to make an offer, I'm like, Look, we gotta. We really gotta give the seller some stuff, and I know, I know you're not gonna get comfortable with it, but I just want you to know that if we don't do X, Y, Z, the chances of you getting that that offer accepted like substantially drops. And that's that's one of the I think biggest challenges of our jobs is we've gotta you know gain the trust of our client to the point where they have to accept that that that's what it is. Yeah. And you know it's it's a tough sell when you have to tell somebody. So it's listed for X. You have to overpay by ten to fifteen thousand right. dollars. Right. Maybe you're not going to get it even with that. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a big pill to swallow for a lot of buyers, especially right. a first time buyer. And especially for one that's getting coached by their parents who have been out of the real estate game for you know twenty years when it was you know very much a buyer's client buyer's market where a house would sit on the market for you know six months and then it would have like a total of. 10 showings and then that was good then you know yeah. what i mean now it's so, not the case what i what i've started doing is if i'm working with a first time buyer or any buyer it doesn't matter and mom and dad or the brother the sister the uncle whoever may have some influence everybody is coming to every house we look at mm. Because I want, you know, those other influencers to see how bad condition is on some of these and what the prices are. Yeah. I want to see, you know, that line of cars outside that house that has showings back to back for two days. I want those influencers to see that. So they don't think we're just making this up. Right. We've got competition. Look right over there. There's a right. 10 people waiting in line. Right. Totally. And going back. So we said, uh, what do you think agents could do better or different working with each other? Now, what do you think agents could do? We could do better as a, as a nation, as a organization wide thing to be better for our clients. I think setting expectations is key. 
Um, just because, you know, as a buyer, regardless whether it's your first house or it's another home, it's an emotional roller coaster ride for people. And if we can properly set some expectations, you know, this is the market we're working in, this is what you have to deal with, I think that it helps make it a smoother transaction. Whereas, you know, some agents more so just go through the motions and don't really offer that kind of personal insight, I would call it. Yeah. I think that makes a difference for, you know, buyers having a better outcome. Gotcha. Got and if, uh, like, what is one thing that you wish you knew before you got into real estate? Like, I, I it's this is a weird question because you have been in real estate since, like, kind of since you were 15, really answering phones. So you kind of saw it all. But there was one thing that kind of caught you off guard that you wish you had known beforehand? Um... It might be a difficult question for you because you've been like you've been doing this since you were fifteen. You know? So I and this will be an interesting answer. So I think it always surprises me as far as like how quali- unqualified some people are to own a home, mm. but we're still helping facilitate them buying a home. Um, yeah. You know, it's. It, that's always kind of caught me off guard. You know, I, I expect you know you know what I'm saying to a certain extent. Ex- elaborate. So I, I don't know. Like you've got these, I won't call them adults. I mean, we're adults, but older people, I guess you could say, that <laughs> they just have no business owning real estate, right? They just they don't know what they're doing. You can't coach them. You, they don't take any advice, mm. but you still help them buy that house that probably they can't really afford. You know that they can't maintain properly. So it's like kind of, you got to get over that to a certain extent, but that's always kind of been hard for me because I don't want to set my client up for failure. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. That's the one thing I never, when I meet a buyer for the first time, I tell them I never want them to be house poor. That's my goal is like getting a, like getting pre-approved for your max price is awesome. That's great. But are you ever going to have an opportunity to put away money for yourself in case the furnace shits the bed? You know what I mean? Exactly. And I don't want to put anybody in that position. There's been a couple times where I'm like, man, they bought it. Like they just squeezed by the approval and they got mm-hmm. into the house. And I'm like, well, it's, it's up to them now to sink or swim on this one. And that's, I think that's been kind of the biggest shock of my career is having to deal with that, at least starting out. Right. Um, but again, everybody's an adult. They're going to make decisions and we're here to facilitate what they want to do. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, is when you work in real estate, you get to see so many different personalities and so many different uh, attitudes, I guess. All walks of life. <laughs> yeah. Like in retail, you, you, you would get to see it. Like, especially as an assistant manager, you pretty much just deal with the shitty customers, right? Like, you never, rarely did I ever have somebody call me and say, hey, you know, Kayla was great in farm and she was wonderful to work with and she was awesome. Like really give her kudos. You would rarely get those calls. Yeah. You never got those phone calls. (laughs) Never. So you'd always see like the craziest wackadoos yell at you for this 17 year old cashier, not, not cashing her out quick enough or the, the 16 year old cashier missing a, a dollar coupon. So it was like, you would see that side. But now you're, but that's a different, right? So I only, I would see them in a 15 second interval, right? They're upset about the $2 coupon. We're going to take it. I'm going to give you $2 gift certificate. See you later. I hope you come back again. I never see that person again, right? But this is like, I'm working, I'm showing you a house. I'm investing, you know, 
half hour showings for one house, another half hour showing for one. And then you're, you're like, you're really invested with them the whole, the whole transaction. So it's a different mindset. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But I mean, in a sense though, that kind of prepares you, you know, to a certain extent to yeah. deal with the nonsense that real estate does include too. Right. Right. And also too, like, I remember when I first got into the business, I took anything that I could get and <sighs> No matter who it was, I would take it. And to the point where I worked with a client that totally beat me up. It was my first, like, two months in. They said really derogatory things about me. Said some kind of, like, sketchy racist things, too, that I was, like, to the point where I'm, like, you know what? I'm an independent contractor, and I, and I don't have to work with every single person that comes in through the door. But I do need a paycheck, so I do need to know how to work with a good majority of people. It, well, and that's the thing. I mean, at some point, you know, you're going to get breaking point. There, there is, and you'll get dragged through the mud. That's part of the business. Yep. But you know, it, to your point, you're an independent contractor. We can make that decision and that judgment call. You know, maybe I shouldn't do business with this person, right? Um, for whatever reason, um, and that's that's kind of the luxury in a sense, but. Again, we also want that commission check, so yeah, that's right. the balance that we've got to deal with. Yeah, right, right. Now, uh, do you have any uh, real estate role models other than Sandy? Like, is there one agent that when you do business with, you're like, man, I wish I, I wish I handled it like him, like X, Y, Z, or or her for that matter. Uh, it could be local, it could be celebrity. Like, maybe you're really into the that David guy that you sent me. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So nobody that I've done business with or, you know, even talked to personally, but somebody that, that David Knox training guy, um, there's a real estate agent that are in some of his uh, online training videos. His name's Bob Wolf. Todd Wolf. Um, Bob Wolf. Oh, Bob Wolf. Dude, I am so bad with these names tonight. Daryl <laughs> Dakota, whatever the hell I'm saying. Say that name again uh, one more time so I can write that. Bob Wolf. He's uh, he's been in the business forever. Um, I think he's out of Minnesota, but uh, oh, actually no, I think that's a lie. It's California now. Minnesota. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know he's uh, he's presented at the National Association of Realtors convention a couple of times. Um, I've gone to that a few years back, and I went to one of his little seminar things. And he's just, he's a guy that sticks to the basics, you know, calls his fear of influence and just the way that he kind of does business is kind of what I try to emulate. Um, and really just being that referral agent, um, always answering the phone, getting back to people right away. It just like, it really struck me as how easy he presented it. It's really not that hard. You just got to do the basics, and that's what a lot of agents forget to do. Yeah, there's uh, – when I got into it, I just – I set the mindset to myself that I was going to treat it like a full-time job. So mm-hmm. pre-COVID, it was like if it was Monday through Friday, 7.30 to 5, I was in the office unless I had uh, an appointment elsewhere. Now it's now it's a little different with Ashton and the whole COVID thing. So sure. it's a little bit different, but – to the point where I just, I worked it like it was a full-time job where if I'm in the office, it also put me in a different mindset when I was in the office. Like I know here being home, I love spending time with Ashton and, and the family and stuff. But when I'm, when I'm at home, it's a, it's a different mindset, right? You kind of are like, it's a little bit more 
lackadaisical, I guess. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. I, uh, I go to the office every day at least for three or four hours. That's, that's kind of my goal just to kind of get the day started every day, bright and early there. Do you have uh, a routine that you go through every day? I can, more or less. Yeah. So, What's it uh, look like? so I try to be at the office by nine at the latest. Um, are you doing anything before nine? Like what are you like meditating, doing yoga, drinking coffee? Like what, do you have like, a certain uh, so routine? Drink some coffee and the dog's got to get at least a mile walk every morning. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. So that's, that's kind of the standard. Then, um, 9 AM, that's the latest I want to get to the office just to make sure I, I get the day started. Kind of like a, a normal nine to five job. Right. Um, I think for me personally, having somewhat of a structure like that, at least at the beginning of the day helps set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and I think, uh, you know, some agents don't do that. So that's, that definitely is, is a struggle point for some people. Um, but I always, so when I get to the office, the same routine I do every day is going through the CRM I use, see, um, all my active clients and on the buyer side more so. What CRM do you use? So we have a kind of proprietary system that comes through our personal website that Kernan offers. Oh, okay. Um, so it's all tied in, you know, it can tie into Zillow, Google, your Gmail, anything like that. So it's all, you know, super functional. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But, uh, so going through that and kind of reaching out to people, that's kind of how I base my follow up for my, you know, current active buyer pool. Um, who was active recently? What houses did they look at? It kind of tracks all that information. Mm. So that's kind of how I start out every day. Um, then beyond that, it kind of varies. I try to, you know, set as many appointments as I can. Um, I'm more of an early afternoon guy. If I can get appointment times, then that's kind of my goal. Mm. Um, but that's, you know, that nine to 12, that's kind of my key in you know, setting everything for the the next couple of days and making sure all my follow-ups done. That's cool. That's sweet. Yeah. It seems like there's, uh, the very successful people have a very like rudimentary, routine like uh have you ever listened to tim ferris uh i it's, it sounds familiar so maybe yeah uh he has a podcast he wrote a um the five hour body the five hour work week something like um, that yeah that sounds familiar. For the titans another one he uh, on his podcast he always asks like the same kind of questions and it's like so what is your uh like the he interviewed um the CEO of Keller Williams or the owner of Keller Williams. I'll find mm-hmm. it and I'll send it to you. Cause it was a really cool podcast. And even I was surprised for him to be like, here's my routine. I follow seven o'clock. I get up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee. I meditate. I do a stretch routine and then I get into X, Y, and Z. I look into emails or whatever. And it's kind of like this, uh, this pattern gets engraved in your brain. And even at him at like a CEO level, he is still, doing that routine well i think there's a common common theme with very successful people not even specific to real estate just in general that you know when you have those especially morning routines to get the day started it's that many less decisions you've had to make over that couple hours yeah and you know our brain is like a muscle it gets tired so it's only going to be making so many decisions before you're going to show some fatigue. So the, the less, I want to call it guessing, but decision-making that you can make in the morning because it's just all streamlined, yeah. even down to what clothes you're going to wear the next day. 
if you don't have to go through and try on three different outfits, it's a, it's a lot easier to get things started. Yeah, right. Dang. Jason, this was a really fun podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Good conversation. Yeah, you're very you're very transparent and very down to earth. I like it. I uh, don't beat around the bush. What you see is what you get. I like it. Well, I don't have anything else. I just want to say I hope we you and I get to do another deal in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure doing business with you. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, sweet. Uh, do you have anything for me? I don't think so, man. Just thank you uh, for having me on. It's uh, the first time I've ever done anything like this. It was a lot of fun. Well, sweet, dude. It's an honor. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely.